even have like the closed captioning on my TV set to Comic Sans. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. Hey, Did I you didn't fucking know do you that? Could, I was over there <laughs> the know? other night, and yeah, we were watching another period, and he had uh, Comic Sans fucking subtitles. He's not even fucking around. Oh my god, I didn't know that I was an know, option. I, I didn't either, because I haven't owned a TV in 20 years, but like. Yeah, apparently they got that technology now, for better or for worse. They got wingdings too. Mm-hmm. That'd be that'd be the way to do it. That's how you learn how to speak that shit. We went down the rivers, we crossed the plains, over the mountains, we fought in streams. We went west. We trapped, we mined, we carved our names with guns and axes. We sought our fame. Our destiny. Of business, progress, and the USA. USA. Well, this is going to be a long one, so get ready. Yeah, okay. Strap, strap the fuck in. I was just going to say, we've been. And, well, the fucky thing about this one, too, is like, yeah, we're not going to actually do this time, right? No, we're gonna do Just both ends of it. and after, yeah. Because we're gonna we're gonna oh, cock nice. te- we're gonna cock tease the shit out of everybody. You know, there's <laughs> that big meaty morsel hanging out there. You're not gonna get much of that. Fantastic. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's it's it, it's like uh, we already did kind of the prequels, and now this is I guess the prequel still <laughs> just getting closer to the end of the prequels. Sweet. Pretty soon we'll be in present day America. No, because we get that close, we just like rewind again. Oh God! Because present oh. day sucks. Yeah, because that was so just ch- big chunks of butter just falling <laughs> off like. Eat them. No, it's the nutritious God, they, beer. Makes the beer slide down better. They were in a like a dirty cooler for about three days with the butter on them, and then they've been in my fridge, just kind of rolling around in there with the butter. Picking up shit like the what's that game the Tomamari Katamari. Katamari. <laughs> yeah. At least like, they didn't stick a fish on top of it or a crab like or something. B- bits of parsley and shit. Oh, I do enough of that too. Like whenever I go out, there's usually get some crab juice on my whatever I'm eating or drinking. All right, I think that's enough fucking banter. Uh, 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 uh okay. So, uh, welcome back to how the West was fucked. Welcome. How. Yep. The West was fucked. Okay, ah, nailed ah. it. Uh, I I do want to uh, address something right up at the top here. Is uh, there we actually have a listener that's not Ben Hyman. Uh, a guy hit a, guy hit us up on uh, Instagram. He fucking messaged me. His name is Ryan, and uh, we were chatting. And then I I got to a point where I was like, oh, this guy might want to know who he's talking to. So I was like, oh, this is Tony, by the way. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah I don't really know your guys' names. I just know. Uh, there's like the, the the uh, uh, army guy, and then there's the guy that with the Comic Sans. I was like, okay, well I'm the other guy, which made yeah. me think. I was like, you know what we've never actually fucking done on this show? I don't think is we've never actually went through and been like, hi, I'm Tony. I don't know shit, and they're gonna explain this stuff to me. I'm just the audio engineer. I think we kind of did first. I know we we introduced Andy. I know yeah. that uh, we maybe the first episode then we did. Ate him. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been kind of. Kind of by design, I guess. Sure. Anyway, I don't need motherfuckers, like, doxing me and shit. Sure. All right. It's because I'm talking shit about Custer or Miles City. 
you know. Yeah, we're <laughs> afraid of the Miles City Chamber of Commerce. So. Oh, yep. I'm afraid of people well, let's who get this drive, out of the way right drive now. around in Miles City. Fuck you, Miles City. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, Fuck we'll be, we'll, you. We'll be talking about the namesake of Miles City a little bit here shortly. Mm-hmm. Basically, uh, like uh, as we might have alluded to or... I don't know. Basically, today is going to be some some fucking heavy lifting. Uh, probably going to be a, a multiple part episode. Um, and what we're doing is uh, before and after the Little Big Horn. We're not going to give you any Little Big Horn. That's going to merit probably its own two parter. Uh, but we're going to do before and after and and see how that works. Because you know, Little Big Horn's probably one of the more probably the most famous uh, uh, cavalry versus you know, Native American battle things. So we're kind of trying to, like, string that one out there a ways. And we have been doing a lot of, uh, a lot of our previous episodes have been just kind of setting up through the buildup of even this. But now we're, we're drawing even closer to the, uh, to the, to the big whoop de doo there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, I like the before and after thing, though, because it's like, uh, on Imgur or, uh, fucking Reddit, the weight loss stories. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which it technically is because a lot of people died, right? It's like, well, you know. America what, lost a bunch of yeah. weight. I say, how much did Custer weigh? Because we lost at least uh, about 160 pounds of him. A bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, several hundred of his troopers. But, uh, but yeah. So we're gonna fuck around with that. Uh, so basically, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to ask you. What do you know about before the Little Big Horn? Because you could be like, well, dinosaurs roamed the yeah. earth, in and the, then long ago in the Pleistocene era. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We just assume that you know nothing. So this yes. is, we're basically going to go over the movie um, Little Big Man, right? Yeah, basically. Actually, uh, there is a Little Big Man at the very end. Really? If you remember. Oh, oh. I, I don't know what you're referring to. I probably will get to Yeah, probably, we'll get to it. Well, yeah, the whole so, thing with Little B- Big Man, though, is like he's uh, uh, in with the Cheyenne the entire time. 111 years ago, when I was 10 years old... Between 1858 and 1878, Jack Crabb was an Indian warrior, a preacher's ward, a gunfighter, a drunkard, a hermit, and he tried to kill General Custer. Take him away and hang him. And you can believe as much of that as you want. And I think we're going to be, I mean, the Cheyenne are important, but like, we're, of course, going to concentrate a lot more with the Lakota, I think, because it's mm-hmm. a lot of crazy horse and a lot of, uh, and a lot of, uh, sitting bull, right? Yep. I mean, there's a bunch of Cheyenne, too. But Little Big Man was explicitly he is with the Cheyenne. If nobody knows what Little Big Man is, uh, Dustin Hoffman movie. Fucking awesome per- movie. It's pretty good. Uh, the way they show Wild Bill Hickok getting killed is stupid and fake, but there's a lot of shit that's stupid. It's good, but it's it pisses me off from a historical perspective in a lot of cases. Yeah. It's I, not I do Ninja like, 3, the domination, though. Fuck, no, no it ain't. It, it's not kind of... Yeah, it's no kind of documentary like that, but... Anyway, Will, uh, smack her in the ass and let's head off into the sunset onto your, onto your comic sans. Because I don't even know quite where you're starting out. But uh, Let's start out usual. about December 1875. Uh, okay. The Grant administration wanted the railroad done up north and wanted the Sioux and the Cheyenne to go to the reservation. And also, he kind of wanted the Black Hills mine for all that them their gold in them their hills. Okay, so this th- this is after uh, the Custer expedition where they found the gold in the Black Hills, right? Mm-hmm. I think we've mentioned it a time or two, but you know, Custer, 
His expedition supposedly found the first gold in the Black Hills. Now, some people were skeptical and thought maybe the miners he had with him or the prospectors he had with him just, like, planted gold there as an excuse. But as it turns out, there actually is gold in the Black Hills anyway, so it's a moot point. But Well, at the very least, there was rumors of it. That's why you went well, I mean, there the we know place. now there's we know now there's fucking gold there. There, I guess is my point. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there wouldn't be Black Hills gold, or if gold. there was, it would be like something else, like a whiskey or something they make there. I was gonna say that sounds like a fucking cigarette brand or something, <laughs> or like a fucking weed <laughs> weed strain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What cigarette do you smoke, Doctor? So we have three liters for the whiteies. Uh, Colonel John Gibbon, General George Crook, and General Alfred Terry. And all of those should be somewhat familiar if you've listened to any of this shit. Well, at least, uh, I don't know, have we talked about Gibbon? I know we've talked about Terry and Crook. We've talked about Crook a lot, but... Yeah, we talked about Gibbon and his purse. Okay, that's right, yeah. that's right. So he was commander of the Montana. Uh, he was famous for helping stop Pickett's charge at Gettysburg. He was actually kind of somewhat sympathetic to the Indian situation, but um, he actually helped him after he killed him. So he was stationed at Fort Shaw. At whoa, whoa. First Did you say he helped them after he killed them? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You want to la- elaborate on that a little bit? Like he took all their body parts and sewed them back together? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Oops. Sorry, no. man. All I know is that he had a good mustache. Very solid mustache. That's what, that's what really makes a man. Mm-hmm. Of course, General George Crook had the kick-ass sideburns. This is in between yeah. his uh, his uh, Apache Wars. Yep. Um, this is right after the one where he took off with the toothbrush and the soap and rode for three years, or whatever the fuck he had as toothbrush and. Yeah, he was like, "I'm gonna." Pair of socks. Yeah, I'll be gone for like two weeks, and then he was gone yeah. for two years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is right after that. So he's just got out of the Southwest. Which we all know that he, uh, from the previous few episodes, uh, that he, he fucking, fucking did not enjoy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so he was stationed at Fort Fetterman, which uh, is not where Mr. Fetterman died. That's a little closer to Douglas, uh, Wyoming, but a yep. uh, little bit it further is, south and east. But it is named after Fetterman, who we have talked about, the Fetterman Massacre, where the idiots were told not to ride out beyond the certain ridge, and then they did so. And were absolutely annihilated, and they had the bugler, you know, was the oh, only yeah. one that wasn't scalped and stuff, that they found his bugle all mashed and bloody and full of war paint. So that fort is named after him. So, you know. Then we have General Alfred Terry, who's stationed out of Fort Abe Lincoln. Did you say Abe Lincoln? Yep. Which... He looked like a drunk baby with a goatee. Yep. <laughs> And of course, the uh, native uh, folks, their their leaders were sitting bull and crazy horse mostly. Yep. Uh, and actually, well, uh, was Woodleg with him at that point yet? Like Cheyenne uh, Woodleg, or is it, he's a little later, maybe? Uh, we're going to talk about why the Cheyenne went to the Sioux in uh, just a little bit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So they're out uh, off the reservation during the winter. Um, just a few of them. Those are the non-reservation Sioux. They camped along the Powder and the Yellowstone Rivers. Um, uh, the Sioux were fine as long as they were not bothered by a honky. They were just living their life, you know. Uh, the government said they wanted them on the reservation by January 31st, 1876. 
But if you were settled in for the winter, you're not really going to leave because yeah, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> yep, and damn near impossible. And of course, the commissioner of the Indian Affairs declared them fucking hostile, and they didn't even bother to wait to the deadline. Declared them and fucking hostile, just like the Pantera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny when you kick a bee's nest and the bees come out at you and then you're like, oh, they're fucking hostile. Yeah, yeah. God, I don't, I don't understand why they're so mad. We're just asking completely impossible and reasonable shit of them and just trying to take all their shit away. <laughs> uh, now, so they gave now, the army permission to go after them. Well, here, here, here's part of the thing, though, is that order was given by, I believe, Phil Sheridan, wasn't it? Or was it straight out of William Tecumseh Sherman? Uh, Sheridan. Yeah, so Sheridan oh, was course. always look. Sheridan was always looking for a way to pick a fight with him because he figured it would. The, the sooner he gets everybody on the side of, uh, let's just wipe them the fuck out. He's good at doing shit like that. He learned how to do that in the Civil War against the South, and he wanted like total war with the Indians. But the problem is, uh, like, public sentiment and uh, and Ulysses S. Grant was not down with them doing that. At least they were not down with the optics of them doing that. Uh, could be argued some people were actually against the morality of it, but a lot of it is they just didn't want to look like genocidal maniacs. But Phil Sheridan is always trying to get them to, uh, poking them enough to get them to do something where then they could get kind of like tacit permission to go wipe everybody out. Yeah, that's the story of America. I mean, look at when when a fucking dude gets shot in the back seven times by a cop, an unarmed fucking dude, uh, like... Everybody protests, rightly so, and then all you got to do is fire one tear gas into the crowd from the cops, and yeah. then, look, they're violent, because everybody's or, freaking or, out. Or then, you, or then you have your mommy drive you to a thing in Kenosha with a rifle you're not old enough to own and shoot, like, three more people because you feel threatened. Yeah, and then you get high fives from the fucking cops as you go home. Yeah, yeah, it's good shit. The fuck? It's the American <laughs> way, baby. <laughs> yeah, I'm depressed now. Let's talk about <laughs> stuff that's... Past depressed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was Sheridan's plan to send Terry from Fort Lincoln and Crook to march north from Fort Fetterman and kind of meet in the middle there. And if they could actually coordinate their movements, that would be more the better. Start a dance club? Um, yep. Well, so, just, just, they just got to use their, uh, uh, what's the app where you can see where your friend's cell phone is? <laughs> what? I don't know. Like, I've never heard that one. one where, Oh, the girl, the the girls from the uh, the old uh, Granville area—they spy on each other's phones constantly. They always know where each other is, and I'm like, that's creepy. But they're like, well, it's in case like a lift driver like steals one of us or something. It's like, oh, gotcha. I, I guess fair enough, but wait. So I if mean, it's if like you and me have the app, I have to give you permission to figure out where I am, or you can yes, just figure, yes. oh, okay, okay, okay. I thought it was just no, like you can straight up spy on anybody. No, only the NSA has that at the moment. So like. So essentially that winter, uh, both Terry and uh, Gibbon are snowed in. Gibbon's in uh, Montana there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he needs all of March to assemble his troops and get unsnowed out. Crook wasn't really that snowed in, so it was kind of up to him to take off March 1st with 692 soldiers. He puts Colonel Joseph Reynolds in charge, and he kind of just observes. Reynolds was kind of good in the Civil War, but totally sucked uh, out west. Oh, that was, that was Kirk's su- way to let him redeem himself. Was that the super drunk motherfucker? Uh, I don't know. There's a bunch I of super drunk, motherfuckers, super drunk motherfuckers. motherfuckers. Yeah, that's kind of a blanket <laughs> statement for <laughs> oh. the west. 
I'm talking there's going to be some, there's some pretty, yeah, pretty super drunk motherfuckers, like, even over and above. Like, yeah, but I think he's one of them, maybe. Let me look it up. Go ahead, continue. Right. Uh, so as soon as Crook leaves, it starts blizzarding. Uh, the first night, Reynolds forgot to post guards and all the cattle were stolen. Uh, four nights later, a second raiding party, party nearly stampeded the horses. Then finally, Crook kicks Reynolds out of command. Uh, he sends the infantry back to the fort to mislead the Sioux. And then on March 7th, he cuts towards where he thought Sitting Bull Village would be. But this turned out to be one of the worst winters in history. It was 40 below and snowed nonstop. Bread was frozen solid. Bacon had to be hacked off with an axe. <laughs> Holy shit. In, in, water, in order to get water, the, the feet, uh, it was three foot thick on the Tongue River. So they're having a good time. Yep. Damn, well, dude. Pl- plus, I think this is right before they started issuing... Uh, after a while, they issued, uh, they started issuing like soldiers' actual like buffalo robe coats and like muskrat hats and like kind of like uh, actually like pretty good like insulated over boots and stuff. I don't think they were quite at that stage yet here. Nope. So oh, these man. guys are kind of wearing your like shitty wool coat and like, you're kind of wearing everything you own and got like some socks on your hands and like that kind of shit. Yeah. Woof. So on March 16th, two Indian hunters nearly came directly into the white man's camp while in Wait, a Wait, there were Indians that hunted, or are they d- white dudes that hunted Indians? In, in, Indian hunters, like okay. uh, uh, Indians who are hunting. Okay, gotcha. Yep. So it was so much of a whiteout, they just walked right into the camp. <laughs> Which had to be shocking for both sides. Like Oh, totally, yeah. Do, 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 do. Oh, shit! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, we're, we're hunting, we're so good at tracking game, but we can't tell that there's like... 400 dudes sitting right here. And also... Well, it was a whiteout, and the whiteies well, well, blended into the whiteout, so... Yeah. Well, that, then, then like, those soldiers, oh, uh, yeah, it's a whiteout, but, oh, I'm standing guard. Well, not in, you know, people just, like, traipse right in the middle of your shit. Yeah. So, Crook sends Ren- Reynolds and 360 men after him with orders to take the village, take the food, and burn the village. Capture them, if possible. Uh, Reynolds goes after dark into the, one of the coldest nights ever remembered. Uh, he takes along guide Frank Grurard, who is also at Wounded Knee and Slim Boots, so remember that name. Well, actually, that guy seems to be, like, they're kind of, like, kick-ass guide. He, like, he crops up a lot as being, like, actually competent, whereas a lot of these other people... He's like Tanya, Tanya from Command and Conquer. Yes, yeah. Shake it, baby. <laughs> what? Oh, you don't play that. Well, first of all, it's a video game from like '98, anyway. But like, they just got a fucking uh, uh, reskin. Yeah, reskin. It looks awesome. I actually played a little bit of that this morning, and we shit. We need to get back on our versus mode. We do. Yeah. Guys. I'll see you anyway. tonight. Okay. I believe you. (laughs) (laughs) Don't go anywhere. How the West was fucked will be right back. Although I am no longer your president, I feel that it is my duty. 
inform and assist the American people regarding an invisible menace. As some of you may be aware, a deadly malady is sweeping the planet, known as the Spanish Influenza. Upon hearing this name, I immediately suspected a Spaniard revenge plot for our victories in Cuba and the Philippines. However, since the yellow-bellied Spaniards maintained neutrality through the recently ended Great War, I realized that they lacked the spine to strike back, even in such a dastardly and underhanded manner. Then, of course, I directed my suspicions towards the now vanquished Kaiser Wilhelm. I am assured, however, by my sources in Europe, that Wilhelm is too busy fleeing like a beaten dog to hatch such a scheme. Thus confounded, I then consulted several noted men of science on their opinions of probable origins and causes of this terrible sickness, and many claimed that it probably originated with the birds. Now naturally, I said to myself, Theodore, here is something that is in your wheelhouse. I had my staff assembled my vast collection of shotguns, as well as several truckloads of shotgun shells, and was prepared to take the fight straight to the feathery bastards. But, before my men and I could take the field and engage the avian menace, a message came by wire from that pencil-necked eunuch, President Woodrow Wilson, that the disease was now known to be spread from human to human by microscopic entities, probably through spittle, and that the simple covering of the mouth and nose and limiting close contact with other people can impede the spread. My science advisors annoyingly confirm this. And while I find Wilson to be a whinging milksop of the highest order, he is the commander-in-chief, and I shall do my best to set a good example for the American people. Therefore, I shall don my trusty blue polka dot bandana and sequester myself at my Sagamore Hill property. While there, I shall take the precautionary measure of annihilating every pigeon, pelican, and peregrine that comes within range of my 10-gauge long tom. Meanwhile, I have commissioned several of the world's finest armorers and watchmakers, at my own expense, to develop and craft diminutive weapons capable of laying waste to the miniature spittle monsters at the heart of this plague. When they are completed, I shall assemble a volunteer corps of hardy fighting men, and together we shall use these petite armaments to take the fight to the enemy and riddle their minuscule bodies with miniature bullets. Until that time, my friends, I implore you all to swaddle your faces in cloth and keep a healthy distance from all but your closest acquaintances and kin. Good luck to you all. Even you, Wilson, you feeble punching bag. Uh, Gerard was down on his knees to find the trail in the fresh blowing snow. At 2.30 a.m., Gerard went on alone. The rest of the guys hid in a gulch. Uh, some men fell asleep and fell off their horses. Uh... If the others didn't kick them awake and keep moving, they would have froze to death. Shit. Uh, there's another story later on where they fix bayonets and keep poking each other until they, so they won't oh, fall asleep and God freeze damn. to death. Well, and it's it's okay. It's not quite related to like this, but it is related to like frontier duty. Uh, it was some other. It was some. It's in my uh, time life, old west books, but it was like literally 
like letters from this soldier talking about how it was like so cold. They actually sent out a couple guys that were supposed to be getting wood or something. And they both basically were like found like mostly frozen, you know, out in the out in the uh, well, actually, the one guy was like completely frozen when they found him. The other guy died later from just like you said, fell off. One guy fell off the horse, broke his arm and just kind of laid there and froze. But his arm, was, guy, his arm was frozen, so it shattered into, like, 14 pieces <laughs> when he fell off? Well, there, there's talks about sometimes these guys, where they, you know, they bed down with wet clothes or, like, a oh, wet blanket. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you put your blanket over you, and then it freezes to the ground, so oh, then you're fuck. stuck there. It's, oh, like you're su- it's like you're saran wrapped to the fucking ground. Oh, dude. <laughs> like... <laughs> So Gruard uh, returns in the morning saying that he found Crazy crazy Horse's camp. In reality, it was 65 Cheyenne Lodges who were on their way to the reservation once the weather had cleared. Yeah, they were going to go in and uh, their plan, yeah, was to go in in spring. So they all ride on during the night and uh, well past sunrise. They lose the element of surprise, which they never really had since those two hunters already knew that they were <laughs> around. Right. But since the Cheyenne were peaceful and going to the reservation, they didn't really worry about the soldiers that were coming. But as we've learned in the past from past episodes, just because you're peaceful and going to the reservation, you should still worry about the soldiers. Oh, yeah. You should always worry about... Hell, you should worry about the soldiers when you're already on the reservation. You should worry about the soldiers, like, you know, when you're in Washington, D.C., like, yeah. So the village was down in a valley, obviously. Reynolds sent Captain Noyes straight down into the village. He kept uh, Captain Moore on the ridge to blast away from there. Uh, Noyes could only muster a trot through the... First, he had to go through the pony herd of the Cheyenne and a bunch of thickets of wild plum bushes. But uh, the Cheyenne offered stiff resistance, uh, shooting four soldiers. Swing! So Noyes held up, waiting for his covering fire, but none came. <laughs> Moore had trouble getting his men into place up on the ridge. But they did drive the Cheyenne out of their village and burn the teepees and the food. Uh, and Reynolds left two dead bodies and one wounded man behind, which is a big no-no. Yep. That's why Ben Teen was so pissed at Custer for what he did at the Washita eight years before. Yep, when they left... Uh... Well, when those guys, they basically started chasing the Cheyenne and then kind of probably got massacred or did get massacred and nobody uh, nobody went after them. That's nope. what you're talking about? Yep. Uh, Reynolds did get 700 uh, ponies, but they were all stolen that night because he didn't post guards again. He didn't learn his lesson. Uh, March 27th, they get back to Fort Fetterman, cold, tired, and bummed out. Uh, Crook Court Marshal's Reynolds... Uh, so that's kind of the end of Reynolds for his leadership, anyway. Yeah. Then he went and Only, invented plastic wrap. Yep. yep. <laughs> then he Only went on to play, Cheyenne went on to play Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> Only two Cheyenne warriors die in the Battle of Powder River. Uh, to the Army's credit, they didn't shoot any women or children. Hey! <laughs> fucking, that's a fucking low bar. Well, it's also... <laughs> I'm just, I'm just picturing. Okay, it's that fucking cold, and you got those army Springfields that they use that have the trapdoor action. So you got your socks on your hands, you got mittens on or whatever, and the, to reload the fucking gun, you got to like undo a thing, kind of flip up a, a little lid, kind of hold it open, 
and like can just pull the showcase out, so throw you, that away, and grab another one. You need fine so you, motor skills with fucking like tube socks yeah. on your hands. Well, that and this is also a time when those rifles too uh, they had copper jacketed uh, bullets, which you know copper is famous for get, getting that green patina on it and yeah. gets you know. So a lot of times they get stuck in there too because the your bullets get all rusty. Yeah. With that green shit, you'd shove one in and it wouldn't come out, so you got to pry it out with your knife and shit. So it's very likely that a lot of their ineffectiveness was due to the fact they couldn't shoot that much because they're fucking around like the kid from a Christmas story trying to operate a <laughs> kind of a complicated rifle. You know, but that's my theory anyway. Yeah. It was like, if they so, could have got their rifles working, rest assured they would have killed some women and kids because. <laughs> That's the way these motherfuckers worked. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> God damn. But now the Cheyenne are half starved and frozen. Um, they had to move. They made it a three days march to Crazy Horse's camp. Uh, they only had uh, 400 peoples. So they actually go to, after that, Sitting Bull's village on the junction of the Powder River there. And then they all did agree to stay together for that uh, winter into the summer and making a big, huge camp. Well, dun, it was dun, good dun. when they got to the sitting bowl because he was like a baller. Like, they had had a good time of, like, hunting, and, and they were kind of ready for winter, and they had enough supplies to kind of share with people. Like, they had some extra teepees and extra food and stuff like that. So, like, you know, Crazy Horse didn't have enough uh, provisions, basically, to take on that many kind of, like, refugees. But once they got to... Um, Sitting Bull, he did, so that kind of like uh, kind of made him a cool guy in the Cheyenne's eyes. You know, it's like, oh, maybe maybe there's something to be said about this guy has like some good mojo working, you know, or his visions are coming true and like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. So get- instead of uh, driving them back to the reservation, the the army kind of bands them together, and of course, when spring comes, that's when the reservation Indians uh, head out and start hunting. S- because spring break. Yep. Woo! (laughs) So now there's a whole bunch of Indians together. Imagine that. Yep. So they try this again in the summer. Again, Crook would march north from Fetterman. Uh, Terry issued orders to give him to go east on the Yellowstone. Uh, Terry would build a temporary supply base on the Yellowstone, too. Uh, Now Sheridan finds out Indians are scattering from the reservation in record numbers. He's like, damn uh, it. Sheridan wanted to get them all before they all scattered. Um, it's like the fucking Custer, sheriff from Smoking the Bandit. Yep. Pretty much. Custer, during this winter, is in New York City, living the high life, eating oysters. Uh, yep. He was pals with the leading Democrat newspaper man. As uh, Democrats were busy sniffing out Indian corruption of the Grant administration, uh, they busted the Secretary of War Bell... Belknap and yep. Grant's brother Orville. Gee, I wonder if Fort Belknap's named after him. Hmm, imagine that. Probably. Uh, summer 1875, Custer had his friend's newspaper correspondent come to Bismarck to sniff around Fort Lincoln and found plenty of malfeasance and corruption there. Uh, Custer was called to D.C. to testify. Of course, uh, he openly strolls around town with the commission chair. <laughs> No. So this is obviously, you know, a kind of us versus them kind of thing. Yeah, it's like, oh, these guys are colluding and corrupting, and watch me as I collude and I corrupt on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. 
this pisses off President Grant, of course. He banished Custer from that summer's campaign. And, of course, Custer cries to uh, General Terry, Please I just lo- let me play. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what that shit is like. I know a neat place to play cowboy. There's a feeling that comes over you. At Knott's Farm, even the grown-ups play cowboy. Cause you're doing what you want to do. On the stage, I told Grandma I would protect her. When it comes to Knott's, it surely leaves a trace. Come on, reach for the sky. You may think that's a smile on your face, but it's Knott's, as in Berry Farm. All right. You know, you were you were going to go to Knott's Berry Farm this summer, but you were bad, so we're canceling your trip. <laughs> no you know. Six Flags. Yep. But. but. <laughs> yep, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, eventually, Terry gives in because he knew Custer was good at Indian fighting from the Washita massacre, which <laughs> meant you're really good at riding into a the winter sleeping village. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and Terry didn't really have the stomach to chase the Sioux around the whole country for the whole summer. You literally have no soul or care for other people. You're perfect. You're hired. I admire lack of empathy and your bloodthirsty nature. So he gave Custer command of just the 7th Cavalry, not the whole expedition. So Terry had to hit the road and come with him too, which he wasn't happy about. If it was up to Terry, he would just sent Custer and said, fuck it. Um, Is that like Custer, a hair? Is that like a hair that's hanging off your beer? No, nah, it's a piece of tripwire. Oh, you actually tie... Okay, I got it. Yeah. I was just doing magic tricks over the zoom camera. It's okay. Oh. He, had a levi- he had a levitating beer. It looked like the sword levitation from, uh, you know, uh, Ninja 3, the domination. Yep. <laughs> when will we not reference that movie? Never. We never will not reference that. That's a double negative, baby. Yep. Uh, Custer was overheard saying that he'd take off from Terry as soon as he could. It's like, so. I'm ditching. It's like uh, I'm, you know, like watch, you know, keep watch over your little brother while you're at Knott's Berry Farm. It's like oh, as soon as I get a chance, I'm ditching him at the bumper cars, and I'm going to go in the, the big kid rides. That's what Custer wanted to do. Which the big kid rides was basically screaming tally ho and like charging into any group of aliens you could find. Don't go anywhere. How the West was fucked. I'll be right back. Nil from Bronson Swagger. Have you recently lost a loved one? Bronson Swagger understands. That's why we invented the funeral kazoo. The loss of a loved one doesn't have to suck anymore with the funeral kazoo. Brighten up any wake memorial with the dulcet tones of America's favorite wax paper based instrument. Yes, it's the funeral kazoo. Now available in fun colors and black. Or yours today from Sequoia and Swagger! Brats and Swagger Funeral Kazoos! We put the fun in funerals! Uh, 
so May 29th, 1876, Crook takes off again from Fetterman with over a thousand men this time. This time without Reynolds, because he's court-martialed. Yep. Uh, Crook, this is why Crook is smarter than the average general. He picks up 200 Crow and Shoshone allies at Old Fort Reno, which Old Fort Reno was part of the Bozeman Trail, which was uh, a reference on the Fetterman massacre there. Right, that's what they were there to try to protect was the Bozeman Trail. Uh, Crook did get reports of 8,000-some Indians all camped together, but he didn't believe it. Famous last words. Uh, Crazy Horse and Sitting Bull decided, since they have such a big group, uh, rather hunt buffalo rather than fight soldiers. Well, yeah. Yeah. I'd rather hunt buffalo. I'm going to get a license plate frame that says I'd rather be hunting buffalo. I mean, you could (laughs) technically eat the soldiers, I guess, if you really needed to. Yeah, they're kind of stringy. Yeah, well, you want to smoke them first. That yeah. and their hides aren't much good for like making useful utensils or like teepees out of. But you could make a bowling, bowling bag and some shoes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Maybe an ashtray or something. Yep. Uh, this is about in sometime in June 6th. Sitting Bull has his vision of soldiers falling into camp upside down. Yeah. After it's just laughing in his yes. sleep. What's up, man? Uh, well, yeah. well, he. <laughs> In order to do that, you got to cut out bits of your arm and stare into the sun until you pass out. That's yeah. how you have a vision quest. Well, yeah, they, what, what, like, I, that was the interesting part too. I was always, I had always read it as he did it by like cutting his arm, but apparently they just took like an awl, you know, like what you'd use to punch holes through a hide, yeah. and they would just like pick out little bits of flesh. It was described as little bits of flesh the size of a match head. Whoa! And and so they took like. A lot of the like his both of his forearms, like pretty much like every quarter inch or so, just scooping out all these little like chunks of meat. So this he basically do it until he passes out or something. Well, he was doing his flesh sac. He's basically giving uh, Wakantanka like a flesh sacrifice. Here's my understanding of it anyway. He's supposed to be giving Wakantanka a flesh sacrifice of a certain size, but you know you don't want to cut off like yeah a whole finger or something. So you just kind of like pull the Bunch of little pieces. Yes, I mean it's. Wait, who is he wait, giving this to? The what? the great the great spirit like. Oh, okay, Waka, okay. Waka but uh, but yeah, he's got to you know you got to pay a price for like if you're gonna receive these visions, you got to pay a price for it. Totally. Basically, and so he had done that, and uh, I think he also did a buffalo sacrifice. He did a bunch of shit, but it was like the Sundance part, you know, like Will said also. Staring into the sun. Um, in some cases, they would do stuff where they do the uh, skewering through the chest. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, there's gonna like the sacrifices. In a lot of cases, uh, involve a lot of personal pain, and uh, and rigorous, and really uh, like hardship kind of stuff. So, Shit. pretty. Uh, basically, really wanted to you you really wanted to have that vision if you're gonna you're gonna go ahead and like you know do all the uh, steps. To, yeah, uh, it ain't it ain't just that. as easy as fucking you know chugging ayahuasca or whatever. Or like yeah yeah chugging ayahuasca or just like you know dipping your fingers in some fucking holy water and <laughs> yeah, yeah you know like whatever kneeling but, on a pew. So yeah, okay yeah. so he he does all this and then his vision is is soldiers falling upside down. Yeah. It's raining. <laughs> <laughs> it, I was thinking more of some like Benny Hill music. 
No, he, he talked about it. What is it? He said, like, uh, soldiers falling from the sky like locusts or some something like that, but they were upside down. So he... It, it means, like, they're going to get attacked, and but the Sioux would be, like, victorious. Oh, uh, gotcha. Is, cool. is how he interpreted that that vision. Right. These dum-dums you know, are going to fall on their head, and we'll just, you know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, there was one caveat to that. To reap its benefit, they should not pillage the dead. Yep. Of course, that comes into play later on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pillage them while they're alive, and then kill them. Oh, well, it's they're a little alive. easier they, to pillage them after I was going to say, though. they put up a bit of resistance when you try to pillage them when they're alive. Since half of, what you're, what, half of what you're trying to take is, like, their rifle and their knife. Why do they got to make it so uh, hard for everybody? I don't know. Real assholes. <laughs> uh, when Crook gets to old Fort Reno, which is, uh, I think that's the one by uh, Casper, Wyoming there. Okay. They didn't find any Crow or Shoshone there, so he dispatched Gerard to go find him. Uh, a few days later, they got to pass by uh, abandoned Fort Phil Kearney, where the Fetterman massacre was. Yep. Which had to be uplifting for the soldiers. They saw some bones from 10 years ago dug up by the coyotes, so that yep. was fun. Because <laughs> everybody from the Fetterman massacre, if you remember that episode, they basically, you know, that happened the day before Christmas, was it? Or was it on mm-hmm. day before Christmas? So they just dug one big-ass mass grave and chucked everybody in there and then buried him. And then, like, not too long after that, abandoned that fort. So, yeah, these guys are going off to fight Indians. And this is, like, they're riding right by the site of the biggest defeat at that point of American forces by, like, natives. So, yeah. Like like Will says, that's got to be a real positive, like, morale-boosting thing. You're, like, riding by an abandoned fort, and there's just, like, a bunch of disinterred human bones like laying around on the ground. Yeah. It's like, oh, at least I know if I die in battle out here on the plains, I'll be left out here for the coyotes to chew on. <laughs> you know? There's my friend Jimmy. Yeah. Circle of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, June 7th, Crook gets into a small skirmish. Uh, no losses, but there goes his chance of surprise like he ever had it anyway. Uh, a week later, Gerard finds the Crow in Shoshone, but Gerard uh, also uh, gets some bad intel that there was 2,500 warriors. Really, it was 1,000. Uh, the camp, he said, was 45 miles away on the Rosebud. Actually, it was in the divide between the Rosebud and the Little Bighorn, which is a little bit west. Mm-hmm. Um, so June 16th, Crook kind of rides cockily towards the Indian camp. <laughs> I, just, I just picture like da, 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 da. and then he cockily rode away from the chicken of yep. Bristol. <laughs> yep. So uh, they uh, after they camped, the Cheyenne raiding party saw them and returned to alert the village. Everybody kind of starts packing, the men ready for war, and they were kind of had a. A lot more confidence since uh, Sitting Bull had his vision there. Uh, Don, uh, June 17th, Crook was playing Whist, the card game. <laughs> uh, Crow Scouts ran to his card table that the Lakota are coming. The Lakota are coming. I think that's what yep. he said. Yep, just like Paul Revere-ish. Uh, yeah, Crook paid him no mind for whatever dumb reason. Because he's playing uh, Whist, man. That's the game of 
old ladies in <laughs> retirement homes. Like, yeah. can't be bothered. Like, but the Crow and Shoshone paid for war anyway. Uh, a few months, a uh, few minutes later, uh, more come back with bullets behind them, kicking up dust. Yeah. Uh, well, so is like okay. Here's here's where some of my research diverged because I mostly am going off uh, a lot of your research. I can tell is from the uh, what is it? Uh, we should also reference the the the, the book. Uh, it's the um, we're on, making the, all uh, this stuff up. We're not yeah, yeah, yeah. researching <laughs> any of this. It's the uh, fuck. It's right here. Oh yeah. I was just about to say the dirt is crying, but yeah, the earth is weeping. <laughs> So uh, by, by by Peter Cousins we, Cousins we use this a lot to uh, research. But I was also watching a thing that they sh- uh, shot at um, the Rosebud battle thing. It's on YouTube, and it's I I don't know what tribe she's from. It's a Native American woman, kind of laying out how all this stuff went. And the thing you got to remember about the the difference between the Crow and the Shoshone is I mean, I mean I'm sure the Shoshone didn't get along with the Lakota, but the Crow actively fucking hated them because the crow got kicked off of their hunting lands by the by the Lakota. That was part of when when uh, when they uh, did the Fetterman massacre and all that shit happened and kind of like allowed the Lakota to like spread in there. Um, and it, it wasn't any, they didn't have any kind of protections under the Fort Laramie Treaty or any of that shit. So basically the Lakota being bigger tribe uh, just came in kind of like push the crow out so the crow were pretty much always happy to be able to help the uh to help the soldiers because they're trying to get revenge on the on the lakota so the crow guys and the crow scouts actually some of them would ride out or rode out to kind of keep track of what's going on or actually fighting skirmishes with these uh lakota that were incoming and then they'd ride back in and tell crook and crook would be like yeah whatever and continue playing whist and the Shoshone were getting ready to go, but they were, they, you know, they weren't like kind of together. And the, I guess what I was getting at is like the the, the native woman that was like kind of showing the layout. Is apparently the Shoshone set up in one area, and the crow weren't happy about it because it's like way open, and they figured they'd get fucked up, so they went elsewhere, or they just keep out and like uh, going out and doing like harassing missions before the whole even battle kicked off. So I guess I'm saying, like, it sounds like the Crow Scouts were a lot more kind of involved before the actual battle, like, in, you know, fighting, before before everybody got to get into fighting. I just wanted to point that out, if yep. that makes any sense. They're, Good job. Like, yeah, war hipsters. <clears throat> yeah. We were already they, doing well, it. Well, uh, reading about uh, Jim Beckworth, that, you know, he's kind of one of the reasons that they were friends to whitey way back in the 1830s too so Mm. for a long while anyway we'll get to that later Mm -hmm. uh the suit were kind of late in attacking you know it's always good to attack at first light but they're a little bit late to that second light and the horses were tired so that might have saved crook a few men uh jack red cloud was there son of red cloud red cloud yeah he rides in with daddy's uh, fancy gun and war bonnet, but he was not Red Cloud, Red Cloud. <laughs> yeah. Uh, his horse was shot from underneath him. Um, he did a no-no and left the bridle on the dead horse. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's let's elaborate on that a little bit. You know what we mean by, like, leave the bridle on the dead horse, Tony? Uh, bridles like the... goes on their head? Yeah. Okay. And, and so uh, the reason why you were supposed to, in their culture... 
if your horse gets shot off from under you, you take the time to take it off. Yeah. To show the guys that are attacking you, like, see, it's no big deal. I have time to, like, take what I need off it. Because, you know, they didn't use saddles. So that's, like, the only piece of riding gear they really use. It's like, huh, you might have killed my horse, but I'm going to take my time and grab this shit off. Yeah, I ain't fucking fucking scared of you. Come back with my next horse. Exactly. So you're meant meant to do that. He did not do that. He actually was crying and begging for his life. Yep. Well, oh, damn. (laughs) <laughs> and they weren't the crow, like, just basically kicking the shit out of him, making fun of him, calling him, like, a baby. Yep. <laughs> oh, <God>. God. <laughs> but the real brave brave was actually a Cheyenne girl. Uh, she rode back for her brother whose horse was shot underneath him near Crook's camp. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the Indians, they called that battle where the young girl saved her brother fight. Yep. Which doesn't <laughs> roll off. That's what, yeah. It doesn't roll <laughs> off the tongue like Battle of the Rosebud, as 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 we, the Washitsu, know it. I kind of like it but, better, though. Oh, yeah. Well, Battle Where the Girl Saved Her Brother. It says it all, you know. Well, uh, the if they really like, wanted to fuck around, they should have been like Battle Where fucking fake, fake baby Red Cloud didn't take his bridle off his horse. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> that would be what probably what the crow would call it, you know, or something, or, you know. Yeah, but what I what it pisses me off a lot of times. This kind of brings up the thing about like all this. Oh, battle at Rosebud. Okay, well the Rosebud's a creek, right? What are creeks? Well, they go long as fuck in a long fashion, <laughs> right? So it doesn't really specify exactly where. And actually, I'm kind of ashamed because I've never actually been down to the the battlefield, and I didn't quite realize where it was because I'm used to seeing signs for Rosebud Creek, Creek, Rosebud Queek. Creek going Rosebud through Montana. Creek. Rosebud Creek. Uh, but I'm used to seeing science flag going through various parts of Montana, and I'm like, oh, yeah, the battle was somewhere around here, like a moron. is like, oh, wait, it like it turns out it's way further south than I had envisioned it, I guess, but, like... Is it in Montana? Yeah, it's in Montana. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's not super far from Little Bighorn, which is not super far from, like, Billings. You've been to Billings. Yeah. But, yeah. But it's still... I basically was being an asshole and picturing, like, oh, all these historical sites are conveniently located along the I-94 corridor. Which, of course, they're fucking not. You know, like, but that's just the way I picture that. Yeah. But, anyway. So, for three hours, this fight continues. Um, the soldiers would advance, and the Sioux would retreat, take up defensive positions on the high ground, because they're not stupid. Uh, they would kind of go from ridge to ridge, and they're... Their horses would be calmly grazing behind them, <laughs> but the wow. army horses were spooked by the hideous savages, quote unquote. Yep. So this kind of frustrated the army. That well, I do wanted like... them to stand still in a straight line so they can shoot them. But yeah. Well, and also like the, the guy, the guy that I, I remember that quote from that uh, the guy that was talking about like how the how the, like basically the the uh, Indian ponies would just stand there and like the war paint would freak out the. Uh, other horses and the fact that like you know they'd be riding along and they're like hanging off the side of the horse and like not letting you get a shot out of, off at them because like they're like shooting from like underneath their neck we've talked about that how yeah, they like yeah. hang on there with one leg and like yeah the guy that was talking a lot about that is like he's like yep and that's why they're the, they like secured themselves as the best cavalry in the world basically uh, Kirk was not used to Indians not running because he was fighting Apache for years. Uh, yep. He tried to break the stalemate and send a company to attack the village, 
but of course that kind of leaves him shorthanded. Then he orders them to come back, so it's always good when you change your mind mid-battle. Mm-hmm. The company that was sent to the village didn't find it in four miles, but when they turned around, they came up over a ridge, and unknowingly to them, the Sioux were there regrouping for an attack, <laughs> which has always got to be fun. Yeah. Um, but by this time, the Sioux were ready to quit, too, kind of already making their point, being hungry and tired. Because they had to march towards the soldiers on this this one. Right. Uh, they lost 21, uh, 60 wounded. Crook only lost nine soldiers, one crow and one Shoshone. 19 soldiers, four crow and two Shoshones wounded. Ooh. Though he thought he lost a whole bunch more because he was not having a great time of it. Well, and also that's going off one set of statistics. I'm seeing anywhere from like uh, 14 to 28 killed. You know, because once again, the the record keeping was super great and immaculate in this time period, and <laughs> numbers were never inflated or deflated. Yeah, you know, most people so. can only count to ten and read like five words. Yeah. Well, well I mean, the, oh, Crook went to West Point. He can do shit like read <laughs> and count. Yeah, he, he was second to last in his class, so he was he yeah was pretty good. Not last in his class like Custer or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the main loss, though, was the Crow, Crow and Shoshone leave him, uh, thinking that he was a puss, calling him Squaw Chief. So they leave. So that, <laughs> without your guides, it's kind of, kind of shitty. Stick around for more. How the West was fucked. Sunday, Sunday, at the Fort Laramie Parade Grounds. It's the insane on the plains monster wagon rally. Brought to you by Manifest Destiny and Mountain Dew. We have 40 big Calistoga wagons crushing other Calistoga wagons for no reason. All your favorites will be there. Grave Digger, Wife Beater, Bigfoot, and the Chubacabra. And Evil Weevil will attempt to jump the 20-foot deep Platte River Gorge on his rocket horse. Free face painting and scalping for the kids. Pit passes only two cents. Well, it's more of a shallow grave. Sunday, 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 Sunday at the Fort Laramie Parade Grounds. The Insane on the Plains Monster Wagon Rally. Admission is only a nickel. They only need the edge of your seat. Actually, we don't have seats, so bring your own! Warning. This ad contains fucking bullshit that's not suitable for anyone. Listener discretion is advised. As I write to you, my dearest Octavia, I cannot help but think that when I joined up with the Union Army, I was worried for the future of our young country. I was a different man then, so young and naive. I did not know what to expect from the Civil War. But it has been the best summer ever. Bronson Swagger Entertainment presents Soldiers Gone Wild 10. It's the most outrageous Soldiers Gone Wild yet. The looting. Everybody be cool, it's the robbery. The shooting. The drinking. Go noodle me some fish. The limb amputations. <laughs> 
copy of Bronson Swagger Entertainment Soldiers Gone Wild 10 today from Sequoia and Swagger's free catalog. Order boys are standing by. So Crook goes back to the Bighorn Mountains. They camp underneath Cloud Peak, which is the highest peak in the, the chain there. Basically, they go hunting and fishing. Yep. They basically uh, turned it into a, a convalescent vacation. outdoor excursion. Yeah. <laughs> it's called glamping. Kind of. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, at, at one point, didn't they talk about, like, Crook's like, I'm going to see if I can catch, like, a hundred trout in one day. Was like yep. the stated goal. <laughs> Shit. Uh, this was also the Fourth of July too, so they have a reason to celebrate. Yeah, it's America. Oh, so they uh, were cooking hot dogs too. Yep. Well, Crook, yeah. Crook receives order from Sheridan to hit the Sioux and hit them hard. Of course, and he ignores said, it and keep, keeps fishing. <laughs> yeah, Crook's like, uh, didn't hear that. Uh, he hit the fishing hole hard. Yes, I will <laughs> do that. Uh, so Crook usually had the stomach to fight, but just not right now for whatever reason. Plus, he lost all of his Indian scouts, which he kind of depended on pretty pretty heavily. So, Yeah. Um, and he also didn't bother to send word to Terry about the, uh, the Rosebud uh, fight there. Might have yeah. helped him to know that in the future, but... <laughs> Why? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's flyover country. Nobody cares about... Uh, <laughs> So Sitting Bull knew that his vision wasn't quite come true yet, even though they didn't win that battle. On to Custer, whose relationship with his wing officers was shit. Yeah. Get to talk about uh, Captain Fred Fred Benteen and Major Mark Reno. And Reno is definitely a drunk piece of shit. Yep. Like you talk about the city or a person named Reno. The person. Oh, okay. Marcus Reno. I know when I was in Reno, I was a drunk piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> what else are you going to do there? Well, we played a show, and uh, we sh- we showed up and uh, to the bar, and they're like, they're like, uh, yeah, we were there at like eight o'clock. We're like, oh, so should we like load in? They're like, oh, it doesn't really get kicking in here till like one in the morning. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, and you're the only <laughs> band too. So can you guys play for like three hours? <laughs> I was like, fuck. <laughs> Luckily, We're it was Rat City Ruckus. plays for three hours. Yeah, it, well, it was Rat City Ruckus, so we did play for three hours. We just pulled out every fucking cover we knew. Uh, yep. But yeah, no, wow. so I was like, what time do you guys fucking close? And they're like, oh, we don't. Yeah, close? Yes, yeah, 24-hour fucking punk bar. <coughs> that was like the best show I think we ever like played outside of Seattle. It was it great. Sounds, sounds fun. Yeah. Sounds hard to survive, but yeah. fun. Yeah. I can't do anything for three hours, even take a nap. Well, I guess, so, one o'clock is when, like, most of the buffets and shit uh, change change shifts or, like, close down. And, like, all the all the line cooks in, in uh, Reno are, like, pirate punks. So, like, they all come to that bar after they get off work, and all their girlfriends are strippers. So it was just all these fucking mohawks and strippers. Like, the whole bar. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Should go uh, back down there one of these days, I guess. Huh? Yeah, dude. Shay's Irish Pub. Why are the My punk bars crowd. always Irish pubs? Anyway, Benteen fucking hated Custer. Benteen was five years older and thought he should be in charge. 
and he hated Custopher abandoning his friend uh, Major Elliot down at the Washita eight years before. Uh, Reno was just a plain old drunk that hated life itself. Uh, his <laughs> wife died two years before. Uh, Custer did not tr trust Benteen as a, a capable officer, and Reno just pretty much the same, too. So, of course, Custer could do everything himself anyway, so it didn't really matter. Right. I can kill all the Sioux with my fingers. <laughs> uh, June 21st, Terry had Custer and Gibbon aboard his boat on the Yellowstone to plan the attack. Which the boat, uh, the boat is like, yeah, a lot of people don't realize, like, you know, the Indian Wars, you know, the, like, we think of, like, not really naval battle, but, yeah, there's a lot of steamboats hauling a lot of troops around. And this particular steamboat was the Far West. That's what it was called? Yes. Alrighty. And I believe that's what, like, in Bismarck to this day, they have, like, a fake steamboat, and I believe it's still called the Far West, except for it's, it kind of only looks at a steamboat, like a steamboat if you glance at it. But they do, like, dinner, dinner cruises and shit. It's out on the Missouri River, and it kind of goes past, like, Fort Abraham Lincoln and stuff. But, like, if you don't, if you look at it too long, you can tell it's just kind of like a regular boat with, like, fake paddle wheels and fake smokestacks and shit uh, on yeah. it. But I think that's also called the Far West, but... Yeah. More like the Fart West. I still yeah. like, I still like, uh, I, I went and revisited the uh, fucking episode where we talked about all the artists of the Old West. And there's, like, um, was it... Rembrandt Peel or something like that. They had that fucking boat where they went to go like oh, yeah. stare at Indians <laughs> the, and like the, the, the dragon boat. Yeah, dude. Think of breathe fire and shit. Yep. So Terry had intelligence that there was about eight hundred or so warriors. Custer thought it was closer to fifteen hundred with the uh, summer roamers out during the summer. No one believed the Indians would actually stand and fight. They all agreed that they would unleash Custer on the village and then drive him into Gibbons' Montana column coming down the Yellowstone there. Custer declined an extra Gatling gun platoon. Because Gatling guns <laughs> be heavy. Yep. Just a little well, overconfident. It, well, but also, to be fair, like, okay, just because a Gatling gun is, you know, supposed to be capable of shooting 400 rounds a minute, you can do that, like, once and then it's too dirty and it starts they start failing pretty quick and too as hot. we've talked about in the forest it's not like these guys like got to train with them a lot because they didn't have any ammo for training there was no like really regimented like marksmanship training or any of that shit so the guys manning the fucking things weren't that good at using them i feel like it's more you know, like it, more for show because it's i'm sure it's fucking scary looking the first time you light one of those off dude like what well, is one well, if they're if they're employed properly they're great against like another army like you are yeah uh, not not by mounted horsemen that are going to be like out of range within like 30 seconds even though it takes you like a minute and a half to set the fucking gun up right you know it's like it, they're great for if you can get a sleeping village and line them up on a hillside which you know i'm sure but, it happened i'm sure Fucking not Lodge Anyways, Oh, man, it's not called the Far... I mean, I'm looking up that steamboat, or the fake steamboat in Bismarck. It's not called the Far West. I feel like it used to be, though. And now it's just called the Lewis and Clark Riverboat, which wah, wah. to me is really silly because, you know, Lewis and Clark had a boat that was a keelboat that was nothing like this, <laughs> but... Yeah. A dugout canoe uh, that you serve Sizzler on, or... Yeah, that's kind of oh, what... Yeah. I miss Sizzler, man. Ugh. 
we almost, well, I have, uh, I went to the one in Bremerton one time and it was just like literally people on rascals, like getting a bunch of nacho cheese and just dipping pizza into it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's like, like, uh, that's like when, when, uh, another tour story, when we, we were in, uh, uh, Boise, Idaho and we, we stopped in at the claim jumper, uh, buffet and, uh, my drummer Dustin is a tattoo artist and he's covered head to toe in fucking tattoos and he's wearing like a you know like a, a tank top and a some basketball shorts or something and uh it's me and Phil hanging out Dustin goes into the bathroom the waitress we had for the day we were about ready to leave we already paid she walks up to us and she's like everything okay guys we're like yeah yeah great and she's like oh good you know Jesus even loves people like you <laughs> we're like thanks lady but yeah the whole place was like everyone was in real real camo and uh or real true camo and then fucking rascals galore oh yeah that's what they do yeah, yeah. Well, at, the, at the trapper's kettle the uh the oh, salad yeah. bar was in the dugout canoes so well no see now will i don't know if you've been there in a while they got the uh they got the dugout canoe salad bar and they have a replica of uh lewis and clark's keelboat that is oh. the because uh, they do a, they do a smorgasbord. It's not called a buffet in North Dakota. It's a smorgasbord, unless it's Chinese buffet. But uh, yeah, they got the smorgasbord out there, you know, where you get the uh, they got fried chicken and mashed taters and and all that gravy and them uh, them hot dinner rolls. Oh man! And all that shit, and you get you get it out of the big old keelboat out there. I've told you about this restaurant before. It's where like everything's full of fucking taxidermy. You just get like stared at by a severed head of a pronghorn while you eat like all your food off of uh out of like uh uh like a little like when you get soup it comes in like a little cauldron oh yeah yeah and like everything comes on like cast iron skillets and shit and like the tables they're all like heavy duty like wood tables they've been routed out and then they have like set like traps in them and they're made to look like the bed of a stream so there's like rocks and shit Whoa. and there's just like beaver traps in there and then they just poured a bunch of resin on them oh yeah yeah and as a kid, I was always afraid they'd still be able to snap you, like break through the yeah, resin totally. and get you. <laughs> yeah, that's a little kind but of freaky. What's the place called? Trapper's Kettle in Belfield, North Dakota. Yeah. Brought to you by RoadsideAmerica.com. I was going to make you dildos eat there when uh, when we went through, because Belfield's like uh, in between Medora and Dickinson, you know, your Yoohoo River. Yeah. And then where my folks live. Uh, Belfield's there. I think I... I must have showed it to you guys. I know we stopped at the gas. It's like a big stone. It looks like a fort. It's like a big stone, or it looks like Cabela's is what it kind of looks like. <laughs> and, like, you, you open up the doors. Like, the door handles are, like, wolf traps and shit, and everything's made out of, like, canoe paddles. That sounds kind I, of familiar. I think I we... feel I feel like I drug you guys into the gift shop or something at least. Yeah. Because it's not often I get people from out of state where I don't drag them there. Put it that way. I think yeah, that sounds kind of familiar. Ben Hyman and I went there like two years ago, but I didn't remember the keel boat, though. Oh, we, we had uh, a couple years ago, we had our family reunion out there. And uh, we, well, we went up to see the old uh, homestead, what's up by uh, Fairfield, north of Belfield. And that's where we all had lunch afterwards. And we had that smorgasbord get the fucking borscht and uh, all that stuff. Mm. Oh, geez. I fucking hate borscht, but. Everybody... Can't say I've ever had it. It's pink beet soup. You don't want it. <laughs> uh, so I was going to ask you what uh, the conversation between Custer and Gibbon was uh, back before the fight there. Oh, before the fight? 
Yeah. Well, like, hey, Custer, don't be greedy. There's Indians enough for all of us. Something like that. Kind Fuck. of paraphrasing. Oh, Jesus. And to which Custer answers, like, no. Or he's like, no, Custer, don't be greedy. Wait, or something like that. And he's like, no, I will not. <laughs> and then Jockley screams Tally Ho and rides off. You know, towards legal, Little Bighorn. Like it was a like like they're talking about a fucking birthday cake or some shit. Well, Custer had also said that uh, the seventh could ride through the entire Sioux Nation, like no problem. Like you know, oh the seventh cavalry. Yeah, seventh cavalry is like, yeah, he's pretty, he's pretty confident in his his and his men's abilities, even though. Most of his men are not the same guys that he had at the Washita. A lot of them had gotten out of the army and been replaced by like new dudes, some of which had never even fired their rifles. Well, he's probably one of those assholes that's he doesn't care who the people are in his regiment. It's he just he's he's like, oh, I'm such a great leader. I can make anybody fucking do this. Pretty much. Yeah. And, a pl and plus, a lot of these guys are like, well, we're we got George Armstrong Custer in charge of us. How could it go wrong? I'm a, now a total badass, even though I literally was in Ireland like three months ago, and now I'm out here being a soldier getting paid like five cents a month and shit, and never shot anything, and never had, and actually a lot of these guys hadn't even gone through like the Civil War. That's the thing, is like some of the OG guys were old Civil War vets, some of these guys were just brand new, green as fuck conscripts. Man. But, you know, Custer already had kind of a reputation, so if you were serving under Custer, you, yeah, you probably felt a little safer. But Oh, uh, so Custer takes 31 officers, 578 troops, which is still less than the 800 warriors that they thought were there. Mm -hmm. uh, 45 scouts and guides. Customer uh, Custer had uh, cut his uh, long hair before the battle, though. Do you just, do you just call him Customer? Customer, yep. He's I'm a customer. He's a Karen. Karen. Like, what? <laughs> picture his new haircut. <laughs> Got an A-line. It's all pooped up know. in the back. It's a Jennifer Aniston haircut. Yeah. I want I want to speak to your medicine man. <laughs> uh, the Lakota and Cheyenne thought the war was over, though, after the crook fuckering up. It's always fun when you think the war's over and the other side doesn't. And... Yeah, weird. That's uh, that's just awkward, uh, man. Yeah, no shit. Uh, their village was 960 lodges. That is 7,000 combined uh, Native Americans there all camped together. So that is a fucking Lollapalooza and a half. Uh, their pony herd was probably 75,000. I don't know Ooh. how you count that many horses, but shit. <laughs> <laughs> so their village was over a mile long along the uh, the river there. Fucking crazy. Can you imagine how much horse shit there was everywhere? Yeah. Everywhere. 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 Well, and that's, that's the thing. Are you going to talk about, like, uh, Mitch, Mitch Boyer at all? No, well, go ahead. Oh, like, you know, Mitch Boyer, I think, what is he, half? I think he's half Lakota, half Crow. And maybe part white, or no, uh, dull, or Bloody Knife is half Lakota, half Crow. Basically, there's a lot of these Indian scouts, right? And they're, they, you know, they, they find this village, they find all this shit, and they're just telling Custer's like, yeah, we can't, we can't take this. And he's like, oh, you, you do the scouting, I'll do the fighting. 
And so they're like, well, fuck. You know, and they start, like, singing songs and putting on their, uh, their, basically their death face. You know, they're putting on their war paint and shit like that. And, like, Custer's like, why are you doing that? It's like, well, because we're going to fucking die. We're going to fucking die. Yeah. (laughs) But to um, all the the scouts' credit, or most of the scouts' credit, they're like, well, fuck it. If this is the way we're supposed to die, this is the way we're supposed to die. Damn. So, but, yeah. That's all I have for part one, anyway. Uh, So, yes. Okay, so we're going to split this up into two parts. Uh, this was, this is the, this is the before. Yep. Yes. Okay, yep. cool. This is before. And then what's going to be really funny if nobody's listening closely, they'll, they're going to come in like next time and like expect to hear about <laughs> and they totally are not going to hear about Haha, <laughs> 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 fuck you. <laughs> so unless anybody has anything to add, uh, hail the gunfire. Yeah. Hail of Gunfire. Gunfire.